0: This message was presented at the DYC 2013 conference, Before Man and Angels, in Orlando, Florida. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.dycweb.org. All right. How many of you were just in uh, David Kim's last talk? Yeah, I actually, uh, to be honest... um, uh, I've never met David before, and we talked a few months ago when we found we were kind of team teaching this seminar and, and, uh, and I thought maybe I'd just come to one of the lectures and, and uh, listen to one, just to kind of get a, a feel for his style, and then come back later but i was I was hooked. I really enjoyed it. I, uh, in fact, a lot of the things that he said are really going to segue into the things i 'm going to talk about and um, but they 're not going to be the same don't feel like you're going to get the same thing just rehatched in a medical environment, um, but there's a lot of great principles the things that uh, that David talked about are going to be useful in any any sphere any career any you know if you're in college or just just your family uh, that don't know the Lord um, in, in much the same vein this first talk um, his built upon each other mine are going to be three separate talks first talk I'm really going to share with you the the, f- the first talk is going to go into my experience with the health message. Um, just a, a background. I, I wasn't raised an Adventist. Um, I was converted into the church when I was in high school. Um, I th- actually, through a, a prophecy seminar at a local uh, uh, Seventh-day Adventist church. And the rest of my family, or my father, came in through a Mark Finley seminar. Um, it was actually, I think, the first time he, he did a net. It was Net 94. And uh, the same church, my father wasn't quite convinced the first time around and they uh they followed up with a satellite evangelistic series and he uh, gave his heart to the lord it was he was in a marine corps and uh ended up uh eventually getting out of the marines is now a pastor and an evangelist as well and so um evangelism works it's uh it, it really and it, if i could sum up all the lectures um david's lectures and mine it's it's basically it's it's living the life that we should be living following christ and it becomes infectious to people. Because when you're real and genuine, people want genuine realness nowadays. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fake, you know, a lot of copycats, there's a lot of options, but when I see a genuine Christian out there that's happy, um, I think it really makes a difference. And so, I was asked to give a, uh, let me just introduce myself. My name is Jason Shives. Um, I graduated from Bass Memorial Academy. And uh, after becoming an Adventist, I transferred to um, to an Adventist uh, academy to finish off my high schooling. Um, kind of went through the pipeline, Southern Ad- well CUC for a year, then Southern Adventist University. Um, and the whole way through, really never took, never even knew there was a health message. I I do remember though, my, f- you know, I did give up unclean meats at the evangelistic series, but it never went beyond that, or at least that's my perception. Maybe I just wasn't interested as a teenager. Uh, then uh, my father became a vegetarian and uh, my mother and the rest of us would would eat fried chicken when he wasn't at home. And then we would, we would hide it because we didn't want to tempt him. Um, and uh, I kind of lived that type of a lifestyle. Um, I saw vegetarian options like when I went to Academy and then to, to Southern, I went to college there. Uh, it wasn't until I got the Loma Linda and was challenged in a, a few few areas, and I'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow, because that really ties into why and how I incorporate the health message into sharing the gospel in, in my, uh, my practice. <clears throat> but um, there's a lot of information out there about health today, right? You know, It's a, it's a buzzword. I think uh, it's getting to the point now where health care is becoming more of an expenditure for our government than even our national defense. And it's gonna get more and more as Obamacare or the uh, Affordab- Affordability Care Act is implemented. And um, it's a very important topic. I think we should, uh, we as Adventists uh, are a unique Christian denomination, um, a movement that happens to have something to say about this. You know, and, uh, and I think, I think uh, once you not just know about the health message, but actually see the beauty of it and start to apply it to your life, it gives you another, sort of, like David said, another interest or another way to cast out to these people because everybody, regardless if you're wealthy, if you're poor, wants to live longer. They want to feel better. No one likes to be depressed. No one likes to feel horrible. I'm going to preface this by saying that I'm not, you know, they, they could have gotten somebody else to do done this seminar. You know, I'm not Neil Nedley and I'm not, you know, all these other, you know, we have lots of doctors that have done programs, but... Um, but I don't have to pay the extra $100 yet, so I guess that's maybe why they asked me to do it. Um, but, uh, but no, I'm just, this is, you can, if you have more, and there's other places where you can get more detailed information. Um, I'm not the expert on every field of health, but if I can answer some questions and share with you my experience, I hope, I, I hope it'll be a benefit. So, um, I think that's it. And this is my lovely wife, Janelle. We we'll are go and stand, babe? And uh, we've been married for about 10 years now, and she's a teacher at Bass Academy. She's a science teacher. We've got, uh, we got asked to come back there uh, a few years ago, and it's a blessing to be able to, to help raise the next generation at a, you know, not just once a, once a year, but all year long, um, to see the beauty of the health message. One more thing. I'm actually going to just pre- We're going to do a little exercise program because one of the things I hate about going to conferences is that we just sit around and eat and uh, we have, we eat, and then we sit, and we eat, and we sit, and so we're going to do a little stretch, a little, little cardio, and then we're going to get into the message, um, but uh, I was at, have you guys seen the documentary, The Adventists? Have you heard of that? Um, when I was doing my residency at Florida Hospital here, um, I was attending Forest Lake Church, and I remember they were giving the, kind of the, uh, the debut of the documentary, and uh, afterwards, they were, he was going around, this guy's not an Adventist, but he knew about Adventists, had a positive uh, view of Adventism, and wanted to make a documentary showing that he's like, this is such a small church, and it's got a huge organization of hospitals and healthcare and and why. And so he he wanted to do this documentary and thought it would be very profitable for him, and it, and it has been. And it's been good PR for a church as well. Afterwards, he was taking some question and answers and uh, and one of the things he said really stuck to me. He said, "He said, you know, you Adventists have got something really, it's like gold, and hold on to it. I do have a concern, though. As I've gone around the country and around the world and asked people about the Adventist health message, one thing we're finding is that it's not passing on to the next generation. It seems as those that, it's the, those that actually live the principles of the Adventist health message are actually aging and dying. And the next generation isn't adopting it as well. I don't know why that's happening. Um, there, you know, there's probably some theories of it, um, but I'm hoping that things like GYC um, and the, the, the other youth conferences will start to, uh, you know, that there will be a kind of a revival in this, because this is something that we can really contribute that the, the world is wanting. So, all right, let's go ahead and stand up. Uh, Get a little bit of room, shoulder width apart. Okay, we're gonna start off with a little jog in place, okay? Just jog in place, get the blood flowing. Try not to mess it. Okay, Okay, stop. You're gonna pretend like you're sitting, but you're not gonna sit, and you're gonna go back up. Pretend, if you're in front of a chair, you can sit, put your bottom down, and then come right back up. Let's do 10 of those. Hands in front of you to balance. Okay, that's one, two, three. You can count with me. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You know, when you count, you actually it distracts you from the pain a little bit. Okay. Take your right hand. We don't have a lot of room, so we're not going. I'm not going to make you do any like push-ups or anything. But right hand, lean to the left. Just stretch. It's nice to talk about the health message and actually try to live it a little bit while we're doing this lecture and to the right okay and if you can reach down try to touch your toes take a, deep breath, take a deep breath in and come up a little bit and exhale as you go down and one more time all right and have a seat okay all right let's start with a word of prayer Father in heaven, we just want to thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to be here at GYC. Lord, it's kind of a, it's kind of a mixed blessing to start another year. That means another year that we have to be here on this earth. Um, but Lord, it's another year to be able to, to share you with others. And uh, Lord, help us to start this new year on the right foot and the left foot and the right foot and left foot and keep going. Just be able to use the bodies who, uh, that you've given us as a gift and Lord, and to, to live an attractive and uh, infectious lifestyle that others would want to know about it and want to know about you. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen. amen. Okay. So I was, uh, what I was mentioning, I, this talk was made six years ago, and I've given it a few times, and my wife just recently was like, you know, you probably need to update it a little bit because it's, it's kind of old, it's got clip art in it. I, I took a lot of that out. <laughs> it's good to have a, a wife that has a, you know, she's watching out for me. Um, I don't want to be remembered at GYC for that, but there is a there is a place where I'll, I left it in, and I'll show you later, and I'll give you the reason why. Okay. <clears throat> so why a health emphasis? Why does the Adventist Church have a health emphasis? You know, what's the big deal? Where did it come from? And this is kind of my my thought process. I'm this this maybe car- it will carry on until fr- uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow I will have tomorrow's talk, and then I think Sabbath afternoon we're gonna have a talk, but. Um, why do we have a health emphasis and there are some stories I want to share with you go over some uh, go over a vision one of the main visions that Ellen White had as far as um, our health message go over some of the science what the world is saying you know the rocks are starting to cry out scriptures and then we'll share some sources so let's start with some stories so why do we need a health message you know if you this is a little bit of a history lesson let me just, before we get into this, by a raising of hands, how many of you care about your health? Okay, that's everybody. Alright. Alright, let's try it again. How many of you at one time, doesn't have to be now, or at one time tried adopting a vegetarian lifestyle? Okay. How many of you, at one time or another, have tried to lose 10 or more pounds? Okay, all right, all right, okay, good. I just, got, I want to get a feel. Um, hopefully we can address some of these issues. Um, it's the new year, right? So uh, I'm gonna give you a challenge, just fair warning, the appeal is gonna be something that's gonna cause you to, you know, everyone's gonna change at least a little bit, okay? All right, a challenge. So a church is born in the mid 1800s, a time of, uh, of uh, not a lot of emphasis on health, a time of, of kind of the dark ages of medicine in our country. But uh, a church was born, and we had a message, and we were to combine, um, according to Revelation 14, 12, not only keeping the commandments, which some religions do, but also having the faith of Christ, or the faith of Jesus. And that combination together was something that was lacking um, in Christendom. And we have to tell people about this. And so what we have is you have this huge rush to go out and spread the message. <clears throat> this is James White, uh, one of the early pioneers of our church, um, hard worker, dedicated Christian. You read, uh, you read some of the biographies about Ellen White and talking about her husband. Uh, you, you, uh, you see there was a lot of concern there because he, he, was, he was neglecting his health. And this was something that was not... So there, there was kind of a felt need before God gave the vision. There was a need because people were dying off. Um, almost died before the age of 50 um, in, uh, 18, in the 1850s, but lived to 1881. Another, just, in, just picking another one, Jan Loughborough, <clears throat> another prominent evangelist, hard worker, dedicated Christian, frequently sick, almost died in 1860s, 1860s, lived into his 90s. Um, something changed that caused him to live a longer life. So what kept these guys alive when they should have died? Well, let's talk about it. Was it the medicine in the 1800s? Let's see. If you wanted a surgery, you'd go get your haircut and maybe your appendix taken out. <coughs> Barbers were surgeons. Um, in fact, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 we joke about it now. The surgeons actually have longer training than the uh, internists, but back then there really wasn't that much. I think it may be six months uh, to, to be a surgeon. Uh, Cure all potions. I mean, the drugs back then, it's basically hocus pocus. You know, this might work, try this you know, um, versus actually having some evidence to show that there's some, you know, diagnose an actual disease and treat it accordingly, not just uh, throw something on it. Use of heavy metals, arsenic, mercury, and strychnine, um, that was very common, and we see a lot of the, uh, uh, a lot of damaging effects uh, today from those uh, heavy metals. Inhalation of tobacco, uh, that was a treatment for, uh, for tuberculosis and for emphysema bloodletting for fevers. Uh, we lost our first, uh, first U.S. president from that. You know, we thought he was having fevers. He must be too hot, so let's get some of the blood out of him. Just the, the way of thinking. And so obviously, this isn't the reason why our two pioneers uh, lived uh, a healthy life. All right, just right, I'm going to have little quizzes in here. This is, this is something I, just to make sure everyone's on their toes. So uh, what text in the Bible states that God's last day church would keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus? Okay, good, good. Add to your Bible memorization. So let's see, uh we you know, you hear a lot about the spirit of prophecy. Spirit of prophecy, I remember and I really want to emphasize the spirit of prophecy is a beautiful gift. Um we just really we I, I don't believe many of us realize how powerful the gift is. And um I think sometimes we get a bad taste because we have people, good intention people, just bad methodology in spreading or sharing the spirit of prophecy. I remember this kind little Korean lady in my, the first church I um, went to coming up to me and always would say, Ellen White said, Ellen White said. And it was always right when I was wanting to get something I wanted to eat. So it just, you know, that, 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 um, that juxtaposition of her voice and her words with, you know, that kind of went against my desires. Just, it, was just, it wasn't the right time. I was not ripe fruit for that message. And so, but um, now I love reading Ellen White, and uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's like uh, top-secret information that unfortunately wasn't supposed to be secret. So, Ellen White's vision on health. This is uh, the June 6, 1863 uh, vision, Ostego, Michigan. It was 45 minutes long, and uh, they actually uh, interviewed a uh, medical physician afterwards, Dr. Lay, and he was impressed with the information that Ellen White received. This is a, a quote from one of the office workers. Um, the call for spiritual gifts is so great we are unable to fill orders as soon as they are received. We have two binders at work, but not a single copy in the office. And this is the book that actually, or the, the manuscript that, that detailed, the, her, detailed her vision. So this was a popular, popular message. Obviously, this was a felt need at that time, and still continues to be. So let's just go over some of the main, major details of the vision. Some of the things may step on some toes but you know what it's these are facts and so this is what the vision said um and you have to think that these principles were like 180 degrees from the way of thinking back then so many of us like oh that makes sense now but you have to think you know put yourself back into 1850s 1860s the way of thinking was opposite of what ellen white was uh, being told here starting a new healthy diet can correct damage done from a previous one you can actually do something to change you know you're not It's not just what you're inherited. Dinner should be light, breakfast larger. A third meal should be rarely eaten. Eating between meals injures the digestive system. Rich cakes, pies, and puddings are injurious. Many die from disease caused entirely by eating flesh food. Poor diet control leads to indulgence and sin. Youth that eat meat and spicy food have strong tendencies towards, oops, Oh, I think that, let me turn this off here. Whenever the internet tries to connect. I'll just turn this off. Okay. Okay, uh, youth that eat meat and spicy food have strong tendencies towards sexual indulgences. And it's already tough enough to be a, a, a youth in the times we live in now with you know, all the, the temptations from the media. Um, add on top of that the hormones and the, the diets and things like that. And, and this is what she, this is back then um, what Ellen White was told. A wholesome diet may be unattractive at first to people used to stimulating foods. That sounds kind of logical, huh? You know, you ever have someone say, "Oh, tofu! Oh, I don't want to touch that," or you know, or, it tastes like cardboard, or you know, or, I don't like the taste of water. You know, it has no taste to it. You know, it's like, well, what are you what are you drinking now? It's because you know everything has to have taste, and I was one of those people. Swine is never to be eaten for any reason. Tobacco is a slow poison. Remember, this is she is basically saying that tobacco is a slow poison. It was not until you know, over a hundred years later that Yul Brenner got on the on TV and basically said don't smoke, right? It's, I mean, this is, this is, this is common knowledge now, but man, it wasn't for a long time. And this is, this is great because this just validates the fact that she is a prophet. She's not a false prophet, she's a true prophet. Tea and coffee are slow poisons like tobacco. Now here's the thing. This is probably, this is that area where science is kind of going back and forth now with caffeine and and I I believe um, if, if the Lord delays his coming, we'll probably be in the same situation as tobacco because it's like, you know, I mean, or she's going to be a false prophet. So, I mean, we see things back and forth. Right now, there's enough information on both sides that basically there's, you can find information and evidence to, to kind of back up what you want to believe. Um, but uh, I think if we can be the head in this area and not give this up, you know, to the... Uh, not give this up. and We'll be ahead. We want to be ahead of the game so that way people can see. It's not from science. We didn't get this from science. We got this from the Lord. Keep your body and home clean. That goes for without saying. You know, one bath a week was the norm back then. You know, because running water was you running with a pail. Uh, bathing. I keep forgetting to change that. It says bathing. But bathing after waking up is beneficial to health. Parents transmit their weaknesses to their children. That was totally new for her i mean that you actually can either improve or um i guess decrease uh your child the the child in the womb's tendency to follow the lord or or have a stronger tendency to to follow you know uh, evil by what you're eating and what you're doing and the things that your 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 mind is uh, dwelling upon uh, before the even baby's even born light and pure air and sleeping and quarters is required Yeah, can you grab that? I think that's my phone. At least it's on vibrate. It's just next to a microphone. <laughs> okay, very good. All right. Maybe someone doesn't want this message set here. Okay. okay. Many invalids and psych patients started with indulgence of a disease imagination. So um, a lot of these diseases start in the mind. And so what do we allow our mind to dwell upon? Obeying the laws of health prevent many illnesses. Physical labor done willingly creates happiness. I put that, you know, the emphasis in her statement is done willingly, uh, but because uh, some students at, at the academy uh, wanted to, you know, they kind of, they say they're forced to work, you know, to pay off their bill. But you have to want to do the labor, you can't be forced. Uh. Outdoor exercise is uh, very important to health, while overworking breaks down the mind and body. Routine daily rest is necessary remember, all of this is counterintuitive to the way of thinking back then. Caring for your body is not just a physical matter, it's a spiritual matter. So there's a direct relationship. And this is, this is what, it, you know, as spiritual people, as Christians, this is the most important reason why we should follow the health message, because it should improve our relationship with God. A healthy mind and body affects one's morals and ability to understand truth. And all God's promises are given on condition of obedience. That's how her vision ended. So, with that, they took this information and said, you know, we're going to do something with it. We can't just sit on it, you know. We just want to, you know, and uh, one of the first uh, lifestyle centers, so to speak, a uh, sanitarium was formed called the Western Reform Institute, Battle Creek, Michigan. Start off with a, a house treating uh, common ailments. And as we all know, this thing just exploded. And over time, it became one of the preeminent uh, medical institutions in the world, you know. Uh, celebrities, uh, politicians coming uh, because they were doing something and receiving treatment that was not provided anywhere else and they were doing something right. Everyone knows John Harvey Kellogg? It's cool to pull off a box of cereal and see Battle Creek, Michigan on on there, right? Because we we know a little bit more behind the scenes uh, with that. But um, John Harvey Kellogg, um, one of the most respected physicians in the 1800s, early 1900s, uh, cre- uh, inventor, created cornflakes, granola, peanut butter, electric blanket. He was a convert to the Seventh-day Adventist Church, someone that was near and dear to the, to the Whites. Uh, about Ellen White, he wrote this, and you know, people would always you know, wonder, you know, how are you always staying five years ahead of everyone else? You just seem to know what's, you know, you, you know before everyone else knows um, what's going on in the healthcare. It's wonderful to look back over the writings that were given to us 30 years ago, he says. And then perhaps the next day pick up a scientific journal and find some new discovery the microscope has made. It is perfectly wonderful how correctly they agree in fact. He would read his you know New England journal or you know whatever the uh, journal was back then, and he would compare that with what Ellen white would say and, and if, it, if it agreed, then he would keep it. If it went against what she said, he'd throw it out. You know He would just go back and forth and he would use Ellen white's vision as a filter and um, and you know. And it would work. And obviously, we know that he uh, en- ended up uh, leaving the church. But while he was uh, while he was following the spirit of prophecy's counsels, uh, he just he thrived and flourished. So, true or false? Question: The main reason that John Harvey Kellogg stayed ahead of the rest of the other physicians in his days is because he took daily baths and ate cornflakes. Okay, <laughs> all, right, all right, so false. So it's because he followed the information God gave on hell through Ellen White's visions. All right, so science. Let's talk about science. This is where this is where I really, you know, I mean I'm trained to to look at this and um healthcare. How many people here are in some type of healthcare field as an occupation? Okay. All right. All right, so there's there's a lot. Okay, good. Science has become the almost like the lowercase god for most people today, and so it's good for us to know. But true science should support what the scripture says. And science is always changing. And they told us when we got to medical school, uh, 50% of the knowledge we're going you know, to impart to you as a, in medical school, by the time you graduate, will be incorrect. The problem is we just don't know which 50%, so you're going to have to learn it all. So, and that's true, and that's, that's a good thing about the Bible and Spirit of Prophecy is we don't have to say that. We know it's going to be accurate. And so better to use the Bible and Spirit of Prophecy as a filter to look at science than science as a filter to look at the Bible and Spirit of Prophecy. Like, for instance, let's see, this just came out, a friend of mine shared this with me on, on Facebook, increased, you know, the, one of the common things people say is like, if you want to lose weight, if you want to get your metabolism going, uh, you have to eat frequent small meals. Well, that was actually debunked. Um, increased meal frequency, this is a British Journal of Nutrition, uh, 2010, increased meal frequency does not promote greater weight loss in subjects who were prescribed an eight-week equa-energetic energy-restricted diet. So basically, over eight weeks, they ate the same amount of calories every day regardless if they ate three meals plus three snacks versus just three meals, okay? And there was no, there was no statistical difference between the two. Um, But then look at this, they found that if you ate two meals a day with the same amount of calories as a person that eats six meals a day, that they, so three meals there was no difference versus six, but if you ate two meals a day versus six mini meals, that they saw statistically significant decrease in weight over this uh, period. Over the 12 weeks, people with type 2 diabetes who ate just breakfast and lunch lost an average of 1.23 points in body mass index, or BMI, compared to just 0.82 points for those who had six smaller meals of the same nutritional and energy content for the day. I mean, maybe Ellen White was right about that, you know? Because for a while, I think even people in our church were like, you know what, that's kind of old school, you know? If you want to lose weight, we've got to increase metabolism. That's what everyone's saying. Well, maybe this is starting to turn around. What about cancer? This is uh, um, um, some interesting information. I, I don't know, I mean, I work in the emergency room primarily now and I don't think a week goes by that I don't see somebody that's, that has some form of cancer. It's just, it's so prevalent. And um, in our church, even uh, people that uh, are in our church are not immune to it. So this is information from uh, actually Kenneth Carroll. How many of you guys have uh, um, ever taken part in the CHIP program? Okay, few. All right, you got a, a great information. Um, I encourage you. There's so much. There's so many resources out there nowadays on on health, and uh, so many you know so, so many people in our church that have actually taken the time to put it into a a, a nice package to present it to the, to the community. Uh, make yourself uh, you know avail yourself of this information. That way, we're not always cre- recreating the wheel. Uh, But anyways, this is information from Kenneth Carroll, 1975. And he's basically trying to find a relationship between fat and cancer. And he found this, that those countries that ate the most amount of fat per day also had the highest rates of breast cancer. So there seems to be a direct relationship. So when it comes to breast cancer, Thailand is where you want to (laughs) be. My wife and I love Thai food, by the way. (laughs) Fat from where? So where do we get most of the fat from our diet? So these Western countries, they're just... uh, they're not doing so hot. So the centerpiece of a when you think of a Western meal, what is the centerpiece of the meal? Yeah, the first thing that comes to my mind is steak. You know, I want the chicken or I want the beef or I want you know such, the pork. We're from Mississippi, and so pork is often uh, the delicacy there. Versus if you go to an Asian or South American I mean, or African countries, unless you're rich, you don't want to kill the fatted calf because that's what's plowing your farms. You know, what I mean, so it's very very rare do you eat a uh, Uh, have that as your centerpiece. Usually it's some type of uh, something you've grown. Um, Dr. Barnard um, in his lecture he actually uh, gave a a synopsis of his uh, research. He actually, this is talking about fat and effects of estrogen. He actually did a study where, uh, he's from George Washington University and he took two groups of women. Both of them were, were diagnosed with severe PMS. Does anybody not know what PMS is? Okay. You're not married. Okay so just kidding my wife doesn't suffer from that but anyway, so, so uh pms so uh so this 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 these these cramps these you know these, the painful situation that occurs either right before or during a woman's menstrual cycle he postulated that it's probably because of the effect of estrogen and he and what he did is in his mind he had a hypothesis that if you eat higher amounts of fat in your diet you're going to affect the estrogen in such a way that it'll skyrocket and cause the symptoms to be worse. So you took two groups of women, put them in, you know, this this group's going to be on a, a low-fat diet it was basically plant-based and free, you know, not a lot of free oil, and then this one's going to be on a typical American diet, and we're going to follow them for I believe it was eight weeks, and then then we're going to switch to see if there's a difference. And so at the end of the eight weeks, there was a let's see here, 66 to 75 percent reduction in PMS or premenstrual syndromes uh, symptoms. In these females and versus the other group and so they were supposed to switch and, and uh, he goes to say you know at the end of uh at the end of the study the women wouldn't switch they're like we're not going to eat the what we used to eat we're, we're we're cured and so he had to actually start over with another group and they that study actually wasn't able to go to <laughs> but he said you know i was just flabbergasted you know it's just uh once you see the power you know you don't want to go back what about menstruation in the diet, effect of fat? So, back in the 1850s, a, uh, a, a typical female, what is, what is the average age of menarchy or your first period as a female nowadays? Not 12, right? You know, I've, seen, I've seen 8, you know, I've seen 19, but usually it's, it's, 12 is a safe number. In the 1850s, average was 16 and a half years old. There was a uh, 16 and a half years old. Um, in 2000, it was just under 12 years old. Okay, the hypothesis or theory here is that there has been an increase in the amount of fat. We've gone from an agrarian culture where it was mostly things that you grew that you ate to a culture where it's actually more convenient to eat an animal-based diet than a plant-based diet, and we're seeing the effects of it. It's almost as if God had intended that the brain of a human being would develop at the same rate as the, the body, but now we're seeing females developing physically before their minds are ready to cope with, you know, with it. So so, I mean, I, during my residency, I don't know how many 12-year-olds I delivered, you know, having babies out of, out of wedlock. Japan changing diets. And so we see this, too. If, 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 um, if that's the case, if fat has a direct relationship on cancer and, and all these other hormonal influences, we should, see a, uh, we should see the same effect in something more modern. Um, after World War II, uh, Americanization, I think more deadly probably than the atomic bomb was the... Uh, was probably um, the. <laughs> I have to be careful how I say this because I want to. Was the uh, the fast food bomb that we sent to to Japan? Don't want to say any specific companies. I've gotten I've gotten in trouble before for being. Uh, uh, gotta restrain myself sometimes. Temperance. Okay. All right. So, so the total fat in the Jap- Japanese diet over a course of about 25 years or 20 years uh, increased by 157 percent. And animal protein, 88%. Their vegetable protein actually decreased as a, as a, as a direct result of the Westernization after, uh, after we uh, um, took over there after World War II. Um, and we see a direct relationship and increase in certain cancers. So respiratory cancers, um, GIs were not only bringing over hamburgers, but they were also you know, smoking a lot more, and so that was also introduced. And so we see more than double the amount of respiratory illnesses. Uh, not quite caught up in 1985 to the United States uh, more than double the colon cancer rates over that 20 year period and breast cancer increase as well we're still in the lead though uh, fat content so leanest beef leanest chicken trout tuna the things that, you know I mean just about I mean your leanest meats are going to have high concentrations of fat and you can't even compare that compared to your plant-based foods I mean rice and potatoes 1% or less, you know, so there's a huge, if you go to you adopt a plant-based diet, you're eliminating pretty much the number one culprit in your fat and your diet. I mean, it's this information that started, the whole buzz about low-fat foods came out and, um, um, but the best way to, to avoid fat is really just to, is to switch to a plant-based diet. Uh, Nationals Cancer Institute, um, you guys have heard of heterocyclic amines? when you, uh, certain, the way you cook certain types of meats actually can cause um, the, the, the proteins to actually um, switch their configuration to a way that actually has been shown to increase cancer rates. Um, but you can find this like in grilled chicken, oven-broiled chicken, pan-fried chicken, barbecue chicken. Chicken's getting a bad rep. Um, yeah. Sorry, I just had a mental of uh, eat more chicken uh, from Chick-fil-A, but um, but anyways. But heterocyclic amines—if you think of it—a a hamburger that's well done. So you always hear people say, you know, "Oh yeah, I think about my health. I don't eat blank type of meat anymore." You hear that? What's that? Red meat. I don't eat red meat. I, you know, and and yeah, you know for for coronary artery disease, for you know for the amount of fat, that's good. But uh, look at the amount of heterocyclic amines as far as concentration you see in these white meats that are supposed to be healthier. So, I mean part of me says yeah okay i'm glad you're doing that at least it's a change in the right direction but i quickly i am I'm very I, I don't let them stay where they're at because i mean there's other dangers involved in, in switching to these uh these other meats how many of you heard of the china study okay it's lots of people okay good so this will be a review for some for those of you who haven't um if you get the the documentary forks overnight this is the one place where i left the clip art in <laughs> Because I just didn't think it would be good to have pictures of of um, people killing rats on the screen. I think it would kind of ruin, ruin the day. Okay. Um, but anyway, so these, uh, these this is actually just, if you read, if you get the China State, you don't have to read the whole thing. If you just read the introduction, read the preface, the introduction where uh, Dr. Campbell talks about his journey through, you know, he was a cattle rancher and all that, and somebody gave me this book when I was in medical school, and it really opened my eyes a lot to this. Um, but anyways there's a study he talks about where this indian researcher uh, this helped to open his eyes uh, to the effects of uh, animal protein and versus plant protein he was trying to find a cure for cancer he wanted to eliminate cancer and uh this indian uh researcher was like you know what well there's this study I've been doing, and so Dr. Campbell from Cornell went over and took a look at his study, and then he was able to reproduce the same study. He found that they took this cancer-causing substance, and I believe it's been a while since I've read the study, but um, I think it's dioxin, which can increase the amount of liver cancer. It's either that or aflatoxin. it may be aflatoxin, but uh, we'll just use uh, this cancer-causing substance. Um, what they did is they, they, they know specifically, because they saw it happen in humans, especially the, the Filipinos, where he was doing a study, where he was, um, they were injecting this substance, and it would, it would actually cause liver cancer. Within a few months, they would actually sacrifice the rats, check it out, and they were like, you know, I wonder if we switch the diet to a higher protein diet, maybe it would cure the cancer. So he, that was his mindset, is like, let's, let's increase the protein. It actually made it worse. And so this Indian researcher said, no, 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 I actually took away that protein and, and saw something else. And so what they did is the, the, the rats on the left are on a 5% animal protein diet, and the rats on the right were on a 20% animal protein diet, which is more of a typical American diet. Um, this would be not quite a vegan diet, but maybe um, but somebody that was pretty strict. Um, but 5% versus 20%, both received the, the cancer-causing substance, and... Okay, so switch, yeah, so this group here had the 20%, sorry. <laughs> that kind of ruins my whole talk. <laughs> no, 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 so that, that group there, 5%. I used to actually have the percentages down here, now I'm having to guess. Okay, so that group over there were the vegetarian rats, or the plant-based rats, and this group over here were the uh, typical American rats, okay? And um, all of the rats on this 20% animal protein diet ended up dying, um, or developed, or ended up developing liver cancer, and uh, when they, They they, uh, looked at their livers. All of them were loaded with cancer. So he's like, you know what? Maybe we just didn't give enough toxin to the rats that were on the plant-based protein diet. Maybe that's what it was. And we'll just give the same amount to this group. Regardless regardless of the amount of uh, toxin they gave, they were not able to uh, cause liver cancer in rats eating a plant-based diet. He's like, well... um, what he did later, and I, I, I didn't put it in the slide, what he ended up doing is once he knew for sure that these rats, because he'd done this experiment so many times, that they would develop liver cancer, he actually took them off the animal protein diet and put them on a plant-based diet and was able to save 50%. And he postulated he was able to reverse liver cancer in 50% of the rats by after they developed the liver cancer to switch them back to a plant-based diet and he came up with these uh these thoughts he says you know carcinogens are like seeds that need watering so you can we all are exposed to carcinogens on a daily basis you know it's you'd pretty much have to live in a bubble if you didn't want to be exposed to something that could cause cancer in your body but seeds need watering you hear the rain outside um but they, they need watering and animal protein is like miracle grow for these seeds and so in the absence of the proper conditions these seeds do not grow Plant protein seems to have no effect in causing the growth of these cancer seeds. This is something that really just kind of like blew my mind is that uh, more powerful than even meat protein, casein, which is is the predominant protein in cow's milk was the strongest cancer promoting protein. Don't know exactly why. My thought is this, this is not the gospel, is that God intended milk or cow's milk to specifically take a small little calf and within a short period of time make it a big cow and so it takes rapidly dividing cells and it increases them the turnover rate so that way it can grow quickly once you get to an age where you're not having a lot of rapidly dividing cells aka an adult you know we're the only way to grow is this way now because uh, not all what's happening is you get cancer which is which are cells that are rapidly dividing out, out of control and you're giving them miracle grow you know you're giving them something that god intended for and another animal plus something to grow quickly so I don't make a big deal about kids but once you become an adult it's better not to have it at all I think I try to adopt a kind of a, a completely vegetarian lifestyle um, but it's really important once you become an adult to stay away from this especially if you're somebody that knows have cancer absolutely switching back to a plant based diet was able to shut the cancer progression in most rats with cancer I think I have a few oh I get to go to 415 right Okay, amen. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> I was like, oh man, it's almost 4 o'clock. Uh, animal studies are, so animal study results confirmed, confirmed in a China study. Really, the China study is just a conglomeration of a, a bunch of other people's studies together. It's, no, you know, it's an epidemiological study, so there was no, you couldn't inject human beings with, with uh, toxins and then put them on a plant-based diet or a human-based diet. But, the, the, but it's one of the most powerful studies because of the size and scope of the study. You've got to check it out. Uh, watch forks over knives, but then go back and read the book and read that preface, and uh, you'll just uh, you'll sound so smart. Actually, um, the, the the appendix. No, actually, uh, I take that back. Never mind. But anyways, read the book. Where do I get my protein from? Have you ever heard that before? I'm going to be. a You know, I, I talk to a lot of my patients about switching to a plant-based diet. You know, they've got gout. They've got. You know, they're getting a lot of kidney stones. They're getting a lot of. Uh, you know, they polycystic, uh, gallbladder, pain. I mean, just about everything that I see patients for is, is related to their diet. You know, it's probably 90%. Um, where do I get my protein from if I switch to this, you know? <clears throat> well, I tell them, listen, I mean, there's protein. That you don't... That's, that's a common question, right? Have you ever heard that before? Well, did you know a gorilla is a vegan? And uh, would you like to discuss with me where I get my protein? <laughs> Lifelong vegan? Do I look malnourished? And, you know, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, you, you think if I become a, you know, if I become a plant-based person, you know, there's a lot of, you know, when you say the word vegan, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of undertones involved in that. You know, there's, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people choose to, you know, to eat this type of a diet. I think, yeah, somebody might have, I think, what do you hit, three? Three, number three, perfect. There's a lot of reasons why people adopt this diet. I think the main reason for Christians is, number one, God's original diet was this that's important, but also it helps us to think clearly. I, you know, I was talking to um, a friend of mine, uh, Jeff, who's the evangelism VP here, and he's like, you know what, I've gotten to the place because I've been a a vegetarian for so long that I actually like, I don't like to see animals die. You know, you just like, you just don't like seeing death. You like to see life. And so there's other reasons. He's not a a big PETA guy, but, um, but uh, a lot, you know, there's a lot of, a lot to say about uh, you, you, and I have noticed myself as I've adopted this, this plant-based diet that I don't get as angry as often. I'm, you know, I, I think a lot more clear. Um, so I'll talk more about that tomorrow. I'm to share my testimony on how I became a plant-based uh, human. You know, in vegan, I mean, you think if I'm going to be a vegan, I'm going to be like a, you know, I'm going to be real skinny and I'm going to look like I'm going to blow in the wind and all these things. Um, I mean, there's there's vegan bodybuilders. You know, I don't necessarily recommend being like this, but I mean, it's possible. You don't have to be you know, like, ah, I need my protein, you know, I need my weight gainer and you know, to lift weights. And so it's definitely a healthier option. And not only our church, but here's the thing, everyone else is starting to realize this, regardless if we are. And it's so sad that, that uh, the, the director of that documentary is seeing a decline in our church in the health while everyone else is going the other way. You know, this is, this is, this is somewhere we could be ahead. Here's some notable athletes and celebrities. You know, Carl Lewis, the, when I was young, He was the guy that was going to the Olympics and winning all the gold medals. He was the Usain Bolt of when I was a child. And um, he was a vegan vegetarian while he was doing all these sprinting. You know, he said, I actually ran faster when I was on this diet. You know, I I put this in here. You know, when I give a talk, usually this type of a talk at a regular church, it's mostly older people that want to listen, but at GYC, I got to throw in like performance, you know, because young people don't really think about living to be 100, you know. But it's not only just a healthy 100, it's a healthy 20 you know, you want to be a healthy 30, you know, I mean, you want to feel 10 years younger than you should be, and everyone else is. And people, I was actually talking to somebody else, um, a friend of mine, Dr. Asuman uh, Gay, she was, uh, she was saying, uh, you know, she's had so many people say, you know, you look like you're 20 years old, and she's in her mid-30s, and she's like, it's like, is it, she's like, you know, is it your genetics? She's like, no, 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 it's, it's the, I eat a diet based on the Bible, you know, I mean, just, you know, Casting, you know, just like uh, David was saying and finding ways to you know It's something that people want, you know, you don't have to do what Cindy Crawford does and you know put the makeup on and stuff You can you get that natural, you know, I probably shouldn't have said a name, but I did it Sorry, still working on the temperance thing. Okay, Dave Scott. I I like I I have personally found, you know, as I've tried It's very easy just like was mentioned in previous um, Previous seminars to get focused on certain things, and then just kind of you know when I'm in a room with people that kind of like the things I like, I tend to gravitate towards them. And the Adventist culture is very easy to kind of conglomerate together. And I, I try to find ways to get myself out in the community uh, besides just my practice. And so I've taken up uh, triathlons and and uh, long distance running and things like that. And and uh, this is a guy, that's Dave Scott, if you haven't heard of him, uh, six-time world Ironman champion. That's where you, you swim 2.4 miles and immediately get on a bike and run, uh, ride 112 miles, and then you run a marathon afterwards, all in, in usually over 100-degree weather in, in Hawaii. And he, he said the reason why I won is because I was a vegan during that time. Um, so, so the power of health, not only in just longevity, but in performance. Joe Namath, uh, Tony Gonzalez, he's a current player. Prince Fielder, he's a big, strong guy. Um, Lance Armstrong, not the most popular person nowadays, but but uh, he became a vegan a couple of years ago. Um, I guess maybe to replace the other performance-enhancing things. So, so I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just as maybe it's just as performance-enhancing just to go vegan. Uh, Bill Clinton, have you guys heard of this? Yeah, very powerful. Um, he actually, uh, I, didn't ha- I didn't know whether a video would work or not, but um, he got on uh, t- multiple channels and talked about how he had got a hold of the China study and uh, read that after he had a, a heart attack and had to have a stent placed and lost like 30 pounds and feels great. He's actually more healthy now. Um, and so everyone else, it's like the rocks are crying out with this, you know. Uh, you, can, you can Google just about any. And when I was a medical student at Loma Linda, I mean, the National Geographic was coming out and, and documenting us because, you know, these guys are living a long time and what are do they doing? The secrets of longevity. And this is just a U.S. News and World Report. You know, one of the 11 health habits of living to 100 is live like a Seventh day Adventist. Man, we're getting some free press here, you know. We, you know, if we put that in like the Southern Tidings and the Adventist Review, no one would really know about it outside of the Adventist Church. But I mean, this is plastered all over the, the world. Have you heard of Spark? You guys heard of that? Anybody? Just real quick. I don't have a lot of time here, but um, there's a, at Bass Academy we we wanted to do an experiment on our students. Um, not uh, not like the rat study or anything like that, but, <laughs> but anyways, there's a book um, that was recommended to me, and I'm always you know exercises. You know we always we really focus a lot on on diet in the church, but we don't we kind of leave some of the other eight laws of health out. Um, Exercise, I think, is a, is a huge one. It's actually the, I believe, the, the fountain of youth uh, that really keeps you, keeps you going. Um, they do these studies year after year, and, and, and they're asking the question, how does the United States compare to the rest of the world in academics? And usually there's science and math um, studies that they do. And year after year, I think we're always like 19th, I think, in math and 18th in science compared to the rest of the world. And... Um, and something was happening in this little town called Naperville, Illinois, just outside of the suburb of Chicago, where this little community they were they were ranking one and three in the world compared to the rest of the world when it came to science and math, uh, respectively. And they had been, and, and prior to that. And this is the public school system. They were doing better than the private school system where all the, the wealthy, well-educated, and worldly people were sending their kids, well, I guess maybe not worldly, but the, um, the wealthy people were sending their kids to this other school, and they were doing worse than the public school. you know. And they wanted to know what happened. Well, anyways, there's this guy. He was a PE teacher. And he said, you know what? I'm losing my job. Financial cuts are happening in the public school system, and P.E. is getting slashed, and I need to do something where I'm going to lose my job too. And so we started, because, you know, typical P.E. class, the, the jocks are out there playing basketball, and everybody else that, you know, has two left feet, they're sitting down and just kind of watching what's going on. He said, I'm not going to do that anymore. What we're going to do is I'm going to show that exercise really makes a difference. And I'm going to, for basketball, we're going to use smaller hoops and we're going to use smaller teams, and we're going to play everybody. Soccer, instead of a huge field, we're going to have a small field, and we're going to incorporate other people." I'm going to get heart rate monitors for, pe- for the kids, and every day, everyone in school, he started in the middle school, put heart rate monitors on, and they're going to go for 30 minutes around um, a lap, do laps around a, a track, and I'm going to see if they keep their target heart rate through that 30 minutes, what effect it would have, and over the course of three years, test scores just just went, I mean, I mean D students became straight A students, It was. I mean it's phenomenal, and we're like wow this is powerful, and all they did was change exercise, the guy obviously saved his job and he's like this uh, well known um, uh, uh, advocate for exercise in, in the country, and this is uh, it's huge, I mean if you haven't read the book it's, it's a really good read, um, good information, there's a little bit of evolution talking about in there, but you can always just bypass that, you know it's not the truth, and so Spark, very good, very good, um, so it, it, it has a direct relationship with the brain. So quiz, what is the largest determinant of whether I will get a disease like cancer or diabetes? My horoscope, my genetic makeup, the type of diet I have, God's will. You know, I I put this up here because here's the thing, you can do everything right and still die of cancer, leukemia, get hit by a train, but that shouldn't be your reason to just to only to live to be a hundred. But it's to give glory to God. And if God so happens to want to keep you around because it's going to be a benefit, then so be it. You know. But I, I really, you know, I, I want to challenge you. Be motivated to take care of your health. But the health message is not the message. You know, the gospel is the message. This is the right hand to make the gospel more effective. Okay. So be you know be very wary of people that all they talk about is health and and uh, they, they don't. Everything has to be seen through the lens of the gospel of Christ. All right. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover the Adventist health study tomorrow because we don't have that much time left. It's gonna, and I, I, I want to do it justice. So I'm just going to, if you can just close your eyes for a second or look down, I'm going to whiz through this real quick. So everyone, just close your eyes, pray for your neighbor for a second. Okay, going through. Very good. Okay, this is... Okay. Um, and what I'm going to do is tomorrow we'll cover the Adventist Health Study, but I want to le- end with an appeal. And uh, we'll talk about the Bible a little bit. Um, longevity, so if you're going... I love to use this because I talk to people all the time. You know, I'll be, I'll be, in, the, I'll be in the hospital. It's usually the other doctor that's working there, and you know, it's very cynical, especially in the emergency room. They'll say, oh, why did God make cows then? You, know? <laughs> you, know, you hear that very often. No, I mean, That's why God made cows, to eat them, you know. And I was like, really? Well, I mean, if you... And these are Christians. The reason why our country is becoming more aware of a plant-based diet is not because of Christendom, which is a sad thing because they have the same Bible I have, you know. And um, before there was any covenant, you know, um, there was this diet. You've got basically, uh, you know, talking about the Old Covenant or New Covenant because they say, oh, that's the Old Testament. We don't have to follow it. Well, I mean, God created in a perfect world this diet, and it wasn't until after sin that God caused man to eat, you know, allowed him to eat flesh. And so it was after the flood, and there's other reasons, I, I'm not going to go in today, but that is the one thing that we know that God changed. You know, you know there's other things, you know, maybe the atmosphere changed and the waters and the above, and things like that, but we know for sure that God changed the diet. And how old was, you know, how old was man living prior to the flood? You know, 900 plus years, Methuselah, 900 something years, 69 years, I think. And then within just a few, well, that doesn't look so good, huh? I'll have to change that later. Within just a few uh, uh, generations beyond the flood, we see people living, you know, 200 years old, you know? Everyone else, you know, you got 10 generations where everyone's living, you know, 800 plus years, 900 years. And then within just uh, a couple generations after the flood, um, and the only thing that really changes is the diet. I mean, and if you go to councils and diets and foods, and uh, one of Ellen White's writings, she gives you specific information. Read the section on meats. I mean, God uh it was not his intention and it really he has a huge effect on our health what about daniel child of god enslaved by heathens would not defile himself even on pain of death he had a test daniel chapter one i just tell people listen you know if you want if you if you're a if you're a, a christian and you want to see some some good reasons read the story of creation and read daniel chapter one and then see what happens to daniel when he be, he basically goes on a vegan diet for 10 days and then later adopts that diet uh, for the next three years at Babylon University and then is tested before Nebuchadnezzar. And his ultimate goal, Daniel, uh, was he, he purposed in his heart he would not defile himself. The outcome of faithfulness, we find that Nebuchadnezzar ends up becoming, you know, you can say a Christian or a follower of God because of Daniel's faithfulness. So ultimately, I think, you know, that's one of the major reasons why we have a health message. It's, it's a tool to share the gospel with other people. So, who, is a li- who in the list has lo- lived the longest? So, Adam, Methuselah, Enoch, or Abraham? <laughs> yeah. Contrary to the previous three lectures, there were no trick questions there. This is a trick question. Um, but anyways, yeah, yeah, that's just, you know, Methuselah's the longest person to die, longest lived person to die, and Enoch's the longest person to, to live. So, he's still alive. So, just some sources, if you'd like, you know, the Bible, Ministry of Healing is a great read, um, and that really does a good job of, of talking about health in the perspective of the gospel and sharing the gospel. Counsels and Diets and Foods, it's a compilation with excellent information. Um, it's really just, it's real thick. It's almost like an encyclopedia, but it's very good. Counsels and Health, Call to Medical Evangelism is a great little short read that really just shows the importance of the health message and reaching people that would never walk into a church. Uh, proof positive, great book by Dr. Neil Nedley. Uh, he does a good job of, of comparing science and spirit of prophecy. China study: fat, sick, and nearly dead. I haven't seen it, but I saw a trailer. And it looks really good. I want to. My uh, my brother lost some weight on it a couple years ago, and it's come back though. You know, so. But uh, that's that's a ten. Is that you know you just you have health just like our walk with the Lord is a daily process. You know, and then forks over knives. So why this talk? If we as Christians choose to turn our back on this message, what are the consequences? Our health suffers. Our family's health suffers. Our country's health suffers. God gets no credit for his health plan. Buddhists, you know, one of the reasons why you can get a vegan meal in a lot of places is because Buddhists don't want to eat their, you know, their, you know, whatever, their previous relatives or whatever, reincarnated. God, and not, not to poke fun at them, but I mean, that's, that's what they believe. God will find someone else. I mean, he'll find someone else to, to share the message, you know, because... He wants, there's people out there that will listen. We may lose our faith in God, you know? But when God's people are obedient in the little things like health, others are curious and interested in God. We save money on health care. Our family's health improves. We are better witnesses for God and the truth. We are better people in general. We feel closer to God and God is glorified, not the creation. So here's a challenge, okay? So I'm gonna I'm going to make you stand up for this, okay? So just be ready. And don't stand up if you don't want to do it. But 10 days, okay, 10 days. And you can start today, you know, and as long as you stick with the GYC meal plan, you should be okay for a little while, okay? Someone gave me this 10 day challenge back when I was in medical school and it's become 10 years now, okay? So I just, I I saw the benefits and I just wanted to keep going. So for diet, okay, skip animal products, Completely, decrease, cut out an evening meal, if overweight, um, or even try it here because they're not serving dinner anyway, and so, I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, but I think, I mean, a typical American needs to lose a little bit of weight anyway. I, I, I also was a, a, a victim of the holidays, so. Um, <laughs> eat five fruits and veggies each day and limit your processed foods. There's a lot of foods that are vegan that are not healthy okay just because it's vegan doesn't mean it's healthy okay um, activity 30 plus minutes of vigorous activity daily in the morning preferably outside okay so every day now you know if you want to take a day off you want to take sabbath off but at least on sabbath don't just fall asleep in the afternoon get up and get out and walk you know do something it doesn't have to be vigorous you know but um at least you know five days a week um water drink only water Average is about eight cups, 64 ounces. But um, a good way to know if you're drinking enough water is if your if your urine is pale, um, clear. Um, you know, if it's you don't want to over you can actually over drink. So be careful. You know, I, I tell people especially if you're an adult, don't drink more, more than a gallon of water because you can actually deplete your sodium stores and um, have some neurological issues. But you know, eight cups is a good average if you're exercising a little bit more. Sleep. Try to be in bed by 10 p.m. You know, they've done a good job at GYC, ending things a little earlier, so you can actually do that, and then wake up by 6. Sleeping, oversleeping is, is almost as bad as not getting, uh, getting enough sleep. So, share. Find one person during the next 10 days to share this journey with you, okay? Or, find somebody next 10 days to share something you learned during this message. Amen? Amen? So, if you are willing to take this Daniel challenge, I invite you to stand with me. You don't have to, you can sit and no one's going to judge you. You know, you can sit, you're like, you know what? It's not going to be convenient. Okay. But I want to challenge those that continue to sit. If, even if it's not convenient for you to do it over the next 10 days, find some time in 2014 to take the Daniel challenge. Okay. Can we do that? Okay. All right. Everyone else can stand if they'd like. And let's, uh, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, I just want to thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to be here at GYC. Lord, thank you for this health message. Um, it's just, uh, it truly is, a, we serve a God that didn't just make us and uh, left to the other side of the universe to leave things um, spinning. But truly, Father, that you are intimately involved and caring of what's happening here. And uh, you care about each and every one of us. And uh, you want to see the best. And Lord, I know there are others out there that have yet to hear uh, the gospel, have yet to hear this message of healing. Uh, Lord, provide us opportunities of those that have stood to be able to share this message. And Father, give us strength because truly the same Holy Spirit that causes a conversion of the heart um, can cause a conversion for us to to make these health decisions. And so help this to be a spiritual uh, endeavor. May we grow closer to you because of it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, please visit us online at www.gycweb.org.